Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So the reason we have this first verse is God is saying to us, you want to believe in me? Then just take a step of faith. I'll give you the faith even. When we get saved, he gives us the faith. I'll give you the faith. Then you just simply believe. Now the world says, no, you prove it, then I'll believe. God says, no, you believe it, then I'll prove it to you. So that's a pretty lame thing for lots of people, but that's the way God set it up. He cannot be pleased without faith. One of the challenging things about God for people who think of themselves as intellectual is the aspect of faith. Because they rightly understand that God requires belief prior to his giving them proof, and because they're really unwilling to give up control of what they think is their life, they reject God. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the God who's revealed himself to all men and women. You'll hear about how God's done everything he can to make his existence clear to every man and woman throughout history. The problem is that they have made a conscious decision to reject God's offer to know him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 9 as he begins his message, The Great I Am's. You can turn to the book of Acts, and we begin this brand new series on the great I am's. Now, many of you, if you've been in church, you go like, oh, well, we should be in the book of John, and we're going to just do this in the New Testament. No, I'm going farther back than that. And we're going to start where we should start as we look at the great I am's of the Word of God. All right? Now, Something I want you to think about, life's two greatest questions. You can write them down. Who are you, Lord, and what shall I do? Who are you? And you'll see where this fits in the context in a moment. And if we're studying this series called The Great I Am, well, who is the great I Am? Who really is this that says he's the I am? And obviously, the second question comes off of that. Well, if you are the great I am, what am I supposed to do about that? What's my responsibility? What should I be doing? Where should I go? Now, you know those questions came from a very religious man. His name was Saul. He was raised... In the Greek, Roman, Jewish time, he had a great understanding of the Old Testament. He was a scholar trained by Gamaliel and others in Jerusalem, but he really didn't know Jesus. 
So I've asked you to turn to Acts chapter 9 and just take a moment to refresh ourselves, and then we'll begin answering this question all through the series, really. These two questions will stick with us as we go through. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he, Saul, before he was called the Apostle Paul, near Damascus, that would be the same Damascus today in Syria where all the issues have been, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Now remember, the reason Saul was going to Damascus for one thing, there were some Christians that had probably, when persecution hit Jerusalem, obviously caused by Paul and other Jewish people. Eventually, that in Acts 8.1, that scattered the church, which they should have done anyway, but they hadn't gone into all the world. That scattered the church, and no doubt there was people that all went all the way up to Damascus to get away, who were Jesus' followers. Their lives had been changed. Well, Paul, Saul, was out to stop this cult. He was actually going there up in those days to find those, bring them out, put them in jail, kill them, do whatever, and cause this cult to stop. On the last day of his journey, before he got there, God had another plan. He stopped him in his tracks. And we know from this, it was around noon, it was light, but God opened up the heavens. Now look at verse 4. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So here's the first question. You can imagine from your back being knocked off, the animal saying into the sky, somebody had just talked to you. Anytime you see in the Bible a name is repeated twice, it's there for a reason. There's an emphasis. Saul, Saul. Some of you remember that when you were a child. If mother called you Mark, Mark, whatever, or some of you, Mark Balmer, you knew that they had your attention. Well, this got Saul's attention. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and here was the response. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, it's hard to imagine how difficult that was for Saul. He believed Jesus was simply a dead man, but here he is flat on his back, talking to somebody from heaven who says, I'm Jesus. Saul thought he was working for God. What did he discover? He was working against God. So who are you, Lord? Great question. Who am I speaking to? Later on, Saul mentions this. Paul does in his testimony. As you saw there in Acts chapter 22, as he's recanting what happened, he basically said, then, what should I do, Lord? What do you want me to do? If that's really you, then, okay, you've got my attention. What do you want me to do? And this is the same thing. Who are you, Lord? Well, who is God? God wants you to know who he is. God wants to establish not only a knowledge of him, but a personal relationship with him. Second question, what do you want me to do? Once we know who God is, once we begin to understand he is God, then he needs to be worshiped and, of course, obeyed. And that's where that second part comes. 
Because we can say in the world's temperament, if God is God, then he's the boss. If he's the boss, he has something for me to do. Now, to answer this question, let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. And as you go there, I think it's interesting to see what the Bible does. Now, we're not going to do an in-depth thing in these few verses. And actually, we're going to cover three chapters. Then we'll head off to Exodus. Maybe make a stop later on in Genesis as we begin to understand again the character of God. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is an interesting thing because there's lots of debate about all of this. But notice the Bible simply assumes God exists. The Bible says that God is the creator. And how much proof do you see in verse 1? Do you see any proof? There is no proof. Could God come give us proof? Yes, he could step right in here in a bodily form. And say, I wrote the verse, let me show you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But notice, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is no proof for his existence. And there's no proof for his actions. Simply, the Bible assumes God exists. Now, there's a verse you may want to write in your Bible in Genesis 1.1. It's Hebrews 11.6. And this is where Christianity always comes down to. I mean, I like apologetics. I'm not, that's really not my thing. I'm not that smart. Um, These guys are brilliant in the way they can debate and go back and forth. That's not my gifting. But I always go back to Hebrews 11.6, maybe because I'm not that smart. But the Bible in Hebrews 11.6, God says this, without faith, It's impossible to please God. No, it doesn't say without proof, without faith. So the reason we have this first verse is God is saying to us, you want to believe in me? Then just take a step of faith. I'll give you the faith even. When we get saved, he gives us the faith. I'll give you the faith. Then you just simply believe. Now the world says, no, you prove it, then I'll believe. God says, no, you believe it, then I'll prove it to you. So that's a pretty lame thing for lots of people, but that's the way God set it up. He cannot be pleased without faith. And it's not only faith in him. You see, lots of people will get to the end of their life. And as they get closer to the end, they have all these regrets. That's because they never stepped out in faith and did what God asked them to do. And so they're going to die and go to heaven, and they never took a, a risk. God had spoke to them. They never stepped out and simply did what he asked them to do. You're to take steps of faith. In fact, you cannot please him with you not doing it. What's another one? I just told you what to do this week. We've asked you to what? Pray and invite somebody. Is that get any of us out of our comfort zone? It gets us all out of our comfort zone. We'd rather just walk by, not say anything to anybody. But by doing that, inviting them to church, it's causing you to take a risk. 
That's what God likes. So understand as you look at this, what is, what is God? This whole series is the great I am. What's the first I am in the Bible? Here it is. You can write it down. What does God say? <laughs> I am what? I'm the creator of the world. The great I am is the creator of the world. Now you might say, well, so what? There's lots of people that would deny that simple biblical fact. And that's exactly true. The headlines today tell us one-fifth of the people in the United States have no belief of anything. The danger with that is it's increasing exponentially, and the real danger is the majority of those are 30 years and under. Now, you extrapolate that out. What's that look like in the next generation? So, did Paul have anything to say about these people that will say, well, there is no God. I saw a sign recently. We're trying to get the video for you. It was a great rallying of atheists, and it said, what does an atheist look like? And the girl holding it had her picture, and that's who she is. That's what an atheist looks like. I'm a human. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in a God. Now, did Paul have anything to say about that? Yes, he did. Romans 1.19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Paul's talking about the people that say there is no God. So, there is no God. I don't know anything about a God. I don't care about a God. I never think about God. God says, no, that's not true. He says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Now, if God says he's made it plain to you, you can say he hasn't made it plain all day. You're wrong. So down inside, the atheists and the agnostics know there's a God. The next verse. For since the creation of the world's invisible qualities, there's that creation again, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without what? Excuse. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't believe it. You might be here. You're searching. Good. No, I'm not searching. I just happened to drop by. Well, good. Glad to have you. I don't believe it. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I've got lots of excuses. Sorry, you have no excuse. God says you have no excuse. Now, the reason they don't believe, they say, is because the truth that God has given them, in verse 25, it says this, they suppressed the truth. In their minds, Satan has come, and they suppressed the truth. And what happened? Romans 135 says they exchanged the truth for a lie. Now, just think about that for a moment. Who is known as the liar in the Bible? Satan, the great deceiver. So, in the beginning, God created. Satan begins with that and begins to lie. Right from the beginning. That's why we have all the deals. Everything today. So, these people simply convince themselves there's no God, but that denial doesn't eliminate the truth. So, understand belief is not a jump of blind faith. It's based on evidence found in the Bible and creation. When you go out and you see all these things created and played and boom, 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 they just didn't happen. God created them. Because of that, he's self-existent and eternal. Now, if you want to drive yourself crazy, just try to figure out how he has always been here. Good luck. 
That's because he's God and we're not. Some things we'll never really understand. Now look at verse 26. This great I am, as we go through the scripture, you're going to understand, is not just God the Father. Verse 26, then God said, let us. That's a picture of the Trinity. It's a plural word. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1.26. So the divinity was already in loving communion with one another. They were involved in the creating of the universe. So it didn't stop there. Most of us should be very glad for that. Because you're going to see here that the universe, well, part of that universe was you and me being created. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the seas, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God didn't just create the universe. He created mankind. Not evolution. He created mankind. It was a deliberate, planned act. And there was no evolutionary process or accident the way our world lies to us. Now look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In his image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Scoot over there for a moment, then we'll come right back. After the creation was done, and you'll see this in a moment with the dust of the ground... There had to be something that made us unique. Verse 7, Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So as you begin to see that, as we go through, just put in the back of your mind, God was not only the creator of the world, but you're going to see in a moment, he's your creator. The great I am that we're going to study about is not just the creator of the world, but he's the creator of mankind. Now, God breathing the breath of life into man transformed his form into a living being. That made man a spiritual being, different from all other creation, with a capacity for serving and even more so fellowshipping with God. God made man in his likeness and image, probably refers to all kinds of things, but for sure, the Trinity, body, soul, and spirit. Now remember, before sin entered, the spirit ruled man. Spirit, soul, the soul is your mind and your will and emotions, and then of course, our body. So when God created man, it was way beyond an animal. Now we love our animals. Right? Except those of you that are cat lovers. And when some of us have a little issue with you. <laughs> we love our animals. And we left Kimmy, our new puppy, when we left. She didn't say to us, well, are you going to church? We said yes. She knew we were leaving. She's already used to that. And she said, well, you're gone. I'll watch on the Roku and worship with you. She does like to watch television, but she wasn't be watching Christian television. She doesn't even know what that means. 
Now, if Linda and I have devotion in the morning and begin to praise God, do you think she comes over? Well, she would, but she just howl. She has no idea what worship is. See, the only one that can worship God is man. We're very different. Our dog, when our dog dies, she doesn't have a spirit. She has mind, will, and emotion. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> but she doesn't have the spirit being. So our animals, when they die, they just die. Will we have new animals in heaven? Yes, I believe so, absolutely. But you're the only one that will live somewhere forever because you have a spirit. So that spirit ruled. Now, here's what I want you to write because sometimes we forget the basics of this. And you say, well, Pastor, what does all this have to do with the great I am? Everything. Because you're going to learn the great I am created you to I to worship him. Well, I can't worship something if I don't know him, what he's like. So the spirit is the supernatural part of man. The ability to communicate directly with God. You have that amazing privilege to communicate directly with God. Adam did in, in the garden before there was Eve. When Eve came along, they both did. You and I have that amazing ability. Notice it's not only ability. If I'm going to communicate with God, it isn't really in the body. I can raise my hands. It really isn't in the mind, will, and emotions. I can agree to do it. But notice John 4, 24. It's really in the spirit. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. No animal can do that. Now, uh, turn to Romans 8, 29 in a moment. And I want you to see something. God created you and I in his image. We will never be gods. There's a cult. You're familiar with it that says we will be gods. That's not true. But we are to become like God. We're Christ followers. We're Christians. And Romans 29 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus. Followers of Jesus. Jesus is God. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So Paul is saying to us that you've been created in the image of God, and I want you to be like me. In fact, the Bible says one day we will be like God. We won't be God, but we'll be like him and we'll see him as he really is. Now, for Satan, who was another created being, being like God was not enough. He wanted to be God. And that's what caused all the problem. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the two questions that everyone has to deal with. Who is God, and what is my relationship with Him supposed to be like? You learn that God wants you to establish not only a knowledge of Him, but also a personal relationship with Him. You discover that the Bible doesn't attempt to explain God, it assumes the existence of Him. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, The Great I Am's. You'll learn the importance of understanding who God is and the fact of Him being infinitely greater than mankind in every way. You'll hear about the need for you to comprehend that God has a plan for you. And you'll find out that many times God's plan for you butts up against your plans. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Great I Am's. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd